Here we go. Today's daf is daf Yeralif, page eleven in the Hilgah Maseches We are going to pick up, go back to the bottom line on Yudam Abeis, the bottom line on ten B. Here we go. All right. What, what's going on over here? So the Gemara just explained. There's a dispute about who's responsible for the depreciation in value of the carcass. So, Reuven, Reuven's ox damages Shimon's ox and kills it. Okay, kills Shimon's ox. Shimon's ox was worth $500. Now his dead ox is worth 50 bucks. So Reuven is going to have to pay 450 What happens if the car- value of the carcass goes down? Who takes that loss? So says the Gemara will say that the value of... The, the devaluation of the carcass is a machlekas tonight. If an animal is torn to death, we need to bring witnesses. What does that mean? Tapa today's daf, tapa daf yiralev. If you're paid to watch an animal that gets killed, you have to bring a witness that it was a complete accident that this animal died. And then you're off the hook. Otherwise, you're chayev to pay. You're obligated to pay. You're hired to watch my animal that got killed. You're responsible. Unless you bring a witness stating that it was like out of your control. Rabbi Shol says, He brings the carcass to Bezdin. Now, is this a machlekes? It seems like it's a machlekes. seems like it's a dispute. The problem is, we don't know if it's a... Like, one says, bring a witness. One says, bring a carcass. Are they saying two different things, one thing, what's happening here? Says the Gemara to explain. My love, Demar Savar, one opinion is the one that says you bring the carcass to Bezdin, it's the one who got damaged responsibility to make sure that the value of the uh, carcass is kept up. And therefore, you're, the, the victim is the one responsible to bring that right to Bezdin. Another opinion is, that it's on the mazik, it's on the damager. It's his, uh, it's his responsibility. Says the Gemara, the, uh, says the Gemara, like, not necessarily so. The Kuli Alma really will say, everybody agrees that it's the victim who's responsible for the Nevela. That's not what the Machoika says over here. Rather, the Kuli Alma Denizik, and over here, we're de- dealing with Tairach Nevela, we're dealing with who has to deal with the carcass. The one who has to bring it to Bezdin doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to take the loss in Bezdin. It's not necessarily so. What it very well may mean is that he's the one responsible to bring it into Bezdin to get it evaluated, even if he's not the one who's, uh, who's taking the, the loss of the devaluation. Vihatanya, and I'll prove it to you. Now, sometimes Vihatanya's uh, telling us a, proof, a question, sometimes it's a proof. Here it's bringing a proof. Says the Gemara, How do we know that if your ox, if, if your pit damages an ox and it uh, dies, that it's the owner of the pit's responsibility to deal with the carcass? He returns the money to the owner of, of uh, uh, to, to return the money to the owner, and also, the dead carcass. You see from over here, says the Gemara, that it's the party that got hurt that's responsible to deal with the carcass. Okay. 
If we're dealing with a carcass that's worth a zuz, call it a hundred bucks, inside the pit, and outside the pit, it's going to be worth quadruple that amount because people have access. So when he's busy with it, he's actually doing it for his own benefit because now he can bring that carcass into Besden and he's going to have to pay less inside Besden's Gishmak, right? In other words, like this. The dead... My animal kills your animal. Your animal's worth 500 bucks. Now it's worth 50. So I'm obligated to pay $450. I got to pay 450 now. So, if I take the... If I take the... Uh, the if, if I take the carcass out of the pit and it goes up to $200, that's my own personal gain. It's my own personal gain. doesn't change anything. It, it, it doesn't hurt me. Says the Gemara, it's for his own benefit. So why does the Torah have to say, oh, you're obligated to remove it. Duh, well, you're going to want to be obligated because now you're going to have to pay less. So you take it out of the pit, and you're the one who's gaining from it because now you, there's less damage. Amalei says to him, like Tzricha, Yebebirashav Yezuz, Yebedem with inside the pit, it's worth a hundred bucks. Ba'gudanamishav Yezuz, outside the pit, it's worth a hundred bucks. So there be something to benefit by taking it out. Hence, that's why we need, that's why I need a Pasuk to add it in. Umi Ika Kai Gabla says, Gemara, are you ever going to have a situation where inside the pit, it's worth a hundred bucks and outside the pit, it's worth a hundred bucks? Says the Gemara, yeah, in short. Taha Amri Enchi, people say, Keshura B'mosa Bezuza, Keshura B'dabra Bezuza. Yeah, a piece of wood costs a hundred dollars, a piece of wood costs a hundred dollars. Sometimes, you know, in other words, uh, call it Amazon. Call it Amazon, right? You go into the store, it costs you 40 bucks. You go on Amazon, costs you 40 bucks with delivery, yeah? And it could be delivered to your house at the same time. And that's what we're referring to. An ox, in, dead ox inside the pit could be worth 100. Delivered outside the pit also could be worth 100. Okay. Omar Shmuel. Shmuel says... We don't evaluate either for a ganav or a gazlan. Okay. What does this mean? We don't evaluate. What it means like this. If somebody steals an animal and it dies. We don't start evaluating the carcass. You stole an ox worth $500 and the ox dies. It's not that you return the carcass and $450. You have to return $500. There's no evaluating the carcass. You steal something and it dies, you pay for it. When do we evaluate? When do we evaluate? When it comes to damages. And I say, the same thing holds true when somebody borrows something. Okay, If you borrow something and it breaks, you have to pay back the full amount. You can't just say, here's the item. I borrowed $500. A broken lawnmower could be worth $50 for parts. I borrowed a $500 lawnmower. Now it's worth $50. I can't say, here's your lawnmower in $450. You give back the full $500. You buy Lahu. They ask the question, searching for information. Hachi Kamar. What do we mean? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And Abba... Agreed with me. Says Rashi, this is referring to Rav. He probably asked question searching for information. What did Shmuel mean? That by a, a borrower, we evaluate it like damage. 
meaning you could give back the $50 lawnmower plus four fifty. And Rava agrees with him. I'm sorry, and Rav agrees with him. Or maybe he means, by a borrower, you don't evaluate like a Ghanavali, and Rav agrees to me on this. Okay, so that's what we're we're unsure about. We don't know if I borrow and it breaks, do I give back the object as well as the remaining value, or do I just need to give back the full value and I hold on to the object? So answers the Gemara. Tashima, come and listen. Toshma, come and listen. The Hugavid was a fellow. The Shol Nagami Chavre. He borrowed. He borrowed a Nargo. He borrowed a, a saw, an axe from his friend Tavron. It broke. Also, came the Rav. He came in front of Rav. Amarle Zil Shamli Nagamalia. Go get him a good axe. Yeah. Shema Mino Ain Shem. You see, there's no evaluation. Meaning, you just got to pay back the full amount. You don't give him back a broken axe plus the remaining value. You give back the full thing. Says the Gemara. No, other Rav, just the opposite. Midam with the Rav Gana Ravasi Lerav. Dino Haki afterwards, you gotta keep you can't just say part of the story. You gotta say, is this the halacha? Vishosik, and he was quiet. We see that it was a mistake, and you do evaluate it. Bottom line is you have no proof. We're back to our question. If I borrow something and it breaks, can I deduct the current value of the object and just pay you the remaining amount, or do I gotta pay you the full amount? Itmar, we learned. Amar Ula Amr Abalazar, Shaman Laganavalagazlan. We only we do evaluate when somebody steals. You steal an axe, 500 bucks, it dies. You, you could give back the $50 axe plus 450. Rav Puppy says, no, ain't shaman. You got to give back the full 500. If you steal something and it breaks, the halacha is you got to pay back the full value. But if you borrow something and it breaks, then shaman, we will evaluate. You can give back the broken object and just pay off the remainder. Kidrav Kahana Baravasi, according to the opinion of Rav Kahana and Rav Asi. Viamar Ulamar Blazar Lusas name Rabba Lazar, Shulya Shatsam Exasbiam Rishon Exasbiam Shainim. If you if uh, you have a placenta that comes out between days, Mainalam in Arishain, um we counter from the first day. Okay, the Torah says if you give birth to a child, a baby, so if it's a Zachar, if it's a male, there's seven days of impurity. If it's a female, there's 14 days of impurity. We want to know if a, if a, a woman has a miscarriage and it took place over the course of a couple of days. Part of it came out in day number one, part of it in day number two. When do we start counting the, 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 the time period? Rav says, what, what are you thinking, that we should be strict and wait till the second day to start counting? It's also it's, you should know if you want to be strict and count it on day and, and say you start the counting on day number two, that stringency is a leniency. See, I want to pause for a minute and notice something. Every stringency, not every, very often, a stringency that's taken on has a trade-off, and it leads to leniencies in other ways. Okay, for example, take the laws of nida, the laws of taras mishpacha, laws of family purity. If somebody has a shyness, somebody has a doubt about whether they have entered a state of nida, a state of physical separation. So you say, oh, we'll be strict. By you being strict and separating as husband and wife, that, that by definition is being lenient on the Torah wants couples to be together. Who gives you a right to be machmir and to be strict and say, oh, so we'll just take on the laws of nida. Maybe you should be machmir and say, oh, a husband and wife are supposed to be together. Every time you have a stringency in one way, you're going to lead to leniency. The Rabbanu Shalom also wants couples to be together when they're, when they're able to. So 
very often a chumrah leads to a, to a kula. So you can't just be strict and think that you're being all religious. Says the Gemara, Amr Rava, Rava says, by count, starting the impurity counting by day number two, which makes the, which make the, makes the impure days longer, stretching it for an extra day, that's really being lenient. And I'll tell you why. Because you're going to say she's tahar on the first day. So anything that's touched on day number one is still going to be, uh, still going to be pure. Alama Rabba, rather Rabba says, that we're concerned about either one. What it means like this, we need to be strict. And what we do is we say, even on day number one, we suspect it started, we don't know for sure. And therefore the, the for sure counting starts on day number two. Michael Mashman says, what's the Chiddush? If the Chiddush is that you're not going to have part of a placenta without a child in it, and therefore we know there's impurity. Tanina, that's already learned in the Mishnah. The Mishnah tells us, so if you have a placenta, that that part of it came out, Asura Bachila, it's forbidden to eat. Now this is dealing with an animal baby. Simen Vlad Beisha, Simen Vlad Bebehema. Because the placenta is a sign of a baby in a woman and a sign of a baby in an animal. So you see very clearly that Beferusha uh, Mishnah, explicitly in the Mishnah, that there, uh, that even part of a placenta won't come out without a baby. Ula's not teaching me a novel idea on that. Why would he add that on if it's explicitly in the Mishnah? Says Gemara, I'll tell you the, the addition that Ula is coming to teach me. Now, before we get to the Chiddush, I want to explain the halacha that we just mentioned. The halacha we just mentioned, when a placenta comes partially out of an animal, we said you're not allowed to eat it. What are we talking about? There's a very interesting halacha. If you slaughter a pregnant animal, even the baby of that animal is considered shechted. It's called a bempakua. It's considered shechted. It's considered slaughtered even before it's actually slaughtered. If a baby comes partially out of the mother, we say is it cons- it's, it's, not consider- uh, it's not considered slaughter, which means the baby needs its own shechita. You can't rely on the slaughter of the mother to be a slaughter of, of the child. So answers the Gemara, I'll tell you the Erech Hiddish if you would have only had a Mishnah, have, I mean, I would have thought to say, we now turn to Amud Beis. There is the possibility of having part of a placenta come out without any part of the child, meaning it wouldn't be considered a full birth yet. And the Mishnah makes a gzera, makes a decree on part of it because, you know, if we allow you to eat the the baby without slaughtering it when even part of it comes out even though it's possibility it could be okay but if we would allow that then people are going to start being lenient on when the whole thing came out and we don't want to mess with that so that's what I would have thought Kamash Malang comes along Ula and says no 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 that's not why you can't eat the baby when part of the placenta comes out the reason why you can't eat the baby when part of the placenta comes out is because there's automatically a baby in there that's why not exactly it's there's a, when there's placenta, there's an assumption of fetus. A firstborn that was killed within 30 days We do not redeem it. This is referring to an unfortunate circumstance of a human child that was killed prior to to make it to 30 days. We know at the age of 30 days, 
the parents are obligated to make a pity on them. If the child's not around, there's no obligation for the parents to go and redeem. I would say, surely redeem means no matter what, whether or not the baby's alive at 30 days, there's an obligation for parents to redeem the holiness. Therefore it says the word ach. The word ach means however. The word however separates something, right? You have a generalization, then ach separates, telling us there's a unique situation. Otherwise, chalak, which limits the uh, which limits the responsibility of Pado Tifta of surely redeeming, and it tells me that if the baby's not alive at 30 days, there's no obligation to redeem. A large animal. If you want to know how to acquire a large animal, it's acquired when you pull it. Now, let's just explain. Things are only acquired in ways that the Torah says so. An item could be acquired when you pick it up. Okay? As long as the seller or the giver is willing to give it to you or sell it to you, you pick it up, it's called a hagba'a, you can acquire it. If somebody wants to get married to a woman and acquire her hand in marriage, he picks her up. Are they married? No. We learned in Kedushin. The only way to marry a woman is with money, with a document, with relations. Picking her up ain't going to work. You know why? Because the Torah says there's three ways to acquire a woman. There's no source telling me you could acquire her by lifting her up, by pulling her, so on and so forth. An item you could do. Okay. So over here, says Ul in the name of Rabbi Elazar, you should know large animals, the way that the Torah tells me you acquire them is not by payment, it's not by lifting, it's an elephant. You're not lifting it up. Good luck. It's a cow. So how do you acquire it? Bimashicha. By pulling it. That's your show of ownership. You acquire it. Says Gemara, The Mishnah says you could acquire an animal with a handoff. What does that mean? I'm selling you a horse. As soon as I hand you the reins to the horse, that's Mesira. I've given it over. Even though you didn't pull it yet. So ask the Gemara, why did you tell me he needs to pull it to make an acquisition? You should know. We learned that the buyer has acquired it even as soon as he grabs hold of the reins, as soon as the reins were handed over to him. Answer the Gemara, who the Amar Kiyatana, the Tana learned the price of Acham, and the Acham say, Zuva Zuba Meshicha, all types of animals you could acquire with pulling. All types of animals could be used with lifting up. And Ula also says the name of Rabbi When your brothers who come to divide their father's estate for an inheritance, Okay. Anything that the current heirs are wearing are not, um, is included in the division of funds, but anything that their family is wearing is not included in the division of funds. So even if the estate was used, right? Sometimes it could take a while for the estate to be uh, divvied up. Um, and in the meantime, you know, the, the, the family is using those funds to purchase clothing or whatever food in the fridge. Whatever the families already have that is not included, but what's on the actual heirs themselves, let's say their clothes, is counted towards the value that's been already received. Amar of Papa, of Papa says, sometimes even what they're wearing, um, we don't evaluate, uh, and we, we find it by, by the case of a, a, an older brother, 
It's a good for him um, that it should be listened to melee his words. Okay. What does this mean? So Rashi explains over here that the uh, old, the oldest in the family is generally the one who's going to oversee the dividing. You know, everything is, is uh, divided. And it's important for the rest of the family that he's well represented and he's put together. And since uh, when, when he's representing them, let's say to debtors or the court or whatever it is, and therefore since in the best interest of everybody, it's not going to be included in his... Uh, you know, they're not going to say, oh, you spent $500, $1,000 on that suit. You know, it's considered like you already got your $1,000. No, since he's wearing that to represent the whole family, it's not considered like his portion uh, that's already been received. If I give you something to watch and you take responsibility and then you give the responsibility over to somebody else to watch, Okay, without asking me, so I I say to uh, Reb Gershon Simcha, I say Gershon Simcha, please watch my keys for me. You're you're to my right on the screen over here, and you t- look at uh, at Robert on the right is the next on my screen, and you say Robert, hey, you do it on my you you uh, take over the uh, responsibility to watch, and you don't have, you don't tell me. Talacha is Potter. You're not responsible. It's as if you guarded it yourself, as long as you gave it over to a competent person. It's certainly, if I didn't even pay you to watch it, and you're giving it over to Robert, who is paid, of course that's okay, because when you're paid, you're going to watch it better, right? You're upgrading the Shmira. You're upgrading how it's going to be protected. Even if... If Gershon Simcha was first paid and you gave it to Robert who's not going to be paid, even over there, that now you're giving it over to somebody who maybe naturally won't be taken so seriously, he's not even being paid to watch it. Nami Pater, it's still okay. You gave it over to a competent person. You gave it over to somebody who's capable of watching and therefore it's not considered a negligence. That is Ula Amar Rebbe Lazar. That's Ula's halacha in the name of Rebbe Lazar. Rava Amar Barava says no. He says it does depend on the quality of the watcher. Shimer Shmasal Shimer Chayef. If Gerb Gershon Simcha gives to Rab Robert, he is obligated if he didn't ask me. Let me buy Shimer Zach Shmasal Shimer Chinam. Certainly, if you're paid and he's not paid, where you're going down the Garua Gari Lishmi Rasa, it's going to be less of a watching. Of course, you're obligated. Ella, Filu Shimer Chinam Shmasal Shimer Zach Chayef. Even if you gave it to him who's paid, and you'd assume. That we're going up in, in, in watching, you're going to be obligated to Amarlay. The owner could say, I could say to you, Listen, you know why I gave it to you to watch? Because I trust you. And even if something goes wrong, you'll take an oath if there's a problem. I never had dealings with the other guy. And therefore, even if he's hired, he's paid, see, he should be watching it better. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. So, so I'm not comfortable with it. Hence, you would be responsible without first requesting the permission of the owner. And who also has the name Rabbi Elazar? Allah is if somebody owes you money and they don't pay back, you can collect from his servants. His servants are like 
real estate that has a, you have a lien on his servants. So Reuven lends money to Shimon, and Shimon doesn't pay it back. Reuven can collect from Shimon's servants. Okay? Rachman says, Both say this is true, even if there's uh, minor orphans over here. He says, No, it means me nay. From the, from the borrower himself. Okay? But if the borrower dies, you can't take servants that the orphans inherited. So what's the novel idea? You, that if he doesn't pay back, you could take from his servants. You could take from whatever you want. Even a shirt off his back. So what's unique about uh, telling me about Avadim? Answers the Gemara, what are we dealing with? Where he made the Eved, he made the servant in Aputiki. In Aputiki is an acronym of Apotehekai, which means when I borrowed money from you, I didn't just borrow $100. I said, listen, I want to borrow $100, and you should know, if I don't pay you back, the property that you are going to collect from first is my servants. That's when I make them an apaitiki. It's kind of like a direct collateral. If let's say I made my Evan apaitiki, and I say, if I don't pay back, here's your guy. And in the meantime, I went and I sold my servant. A chutzpah. The guy who's supposed to be there as my collateral, you went and sold him to somebody else. So the lender could still go and take that. I, somebody bought him. Okay, so you got to pay back. Right? He's going to have to be reimbursed. If he sells an access and a paytiki and sells it, and he can't collect. My time, When you set aside an evid as an apaitiki, as the direct collateral, people know about it. But he set aside an ax as an apaitiki, people do not know about it. Okay? And therefore, um, there, there's, uh, there's, when there's a call, there's less of an expectation that somebody is going to like investigate this guy directly. So you, you set aside an Evid. Okay, there's an Evid. There, there's direct collateral. You sell him, give it back. There's nothing to talk about. If you set aside an ax as a collateral, and as an apaitiki, so take another ox. You got to go take from the buyer? Oxen aren't as different as humans. When he sells the servant, you can't say, oh, it's to get another servant. No, every servant is different. It's a human being. An ox is an ox, though. And therefore, it's not going to be much of a difference. The Masar Dinafik says the Gemara, after they left Yeshiva, Top of tomorrow's daf. Amar luhu ula ula said to the tamidim. Hachi amar belazar. This is what Rabbi Lazar says. Let me tell you what Rabbi Lazar says. Afilo miyasmi When somebody borrows money and sets aside an apaitiki and dies, the lender can even go and collect from the orphans. Amar Rabbi Nachman. Rabbi Nachman says ishtamin ula. Ula waited for me to leave. Before saying this. Okay? Because he knew that I disagree with this. He knows that I would not allow a servant to be collected from orphans. Okay? He's basically uh, saying that... Uh, if, if you want to challenge somebody, challenge them when they're there. Challenge them when they're there. Don't challenge them when they're not there. 
there's a there's a Misa, this incident brought down. I forgot somebody wrote a tshuva in the 1990s, arguing on something that Ramesha Feinstein had written in the Igris Meisha. Forget the exact details what happened. And he came to one of the G'daylim in Eretz Yisrael to show his rebuttal on a responsa from Rav Moshe. Rav Moshe passed away in the mid-80s. And this Gadol said to the person, it's a big Paisik, who wrote the responsa, he says, you were also alive when Rav Moshe was alive. If you would have written it when Rav Moshe was here, we could take it into account. But now that you had a chance to write it when he was here, and now that he's gone, you're writing it, that's, that's an unfair, we're not going to accept your opinion. Why are you waiting for him? Now, now Moshe finds he's not alive, now you've got to write a rebuttal to a responsa? Yeah? You should have you written it before. You, you already knew what was up. Yeah? That's what we're saying over here. He's, that's what Rav Nachman is saying to Ula. Ula, you have something to say? Say it in front of me so we can have a conversation. Okay. Let's keep going a little weiter. We have a little bit of time. And tomorrow, uh, Bez Hashem, I'm going to be traveling, so uh, let's cover a little bit of ground on Tadaf base. Have Ovdo bin Arda, there's a story in Arda, Ve'igvu Dayani din Arda, and the Dayanim, the judges in the city of Narda, took, took servants as payment from orphans. Have Ovdo bin Pompadisa, there was the same story happened in Pompadisa, Vagvi Nachman Barbizna, same thing. He also, Amadu Rav Nachman, Zilu Adru, go give it back. You have no, you have no right to do that. And if you don't, I'm going to take your own homes and make sure that they that your the, the homes of the judges, because it's kind of like stealing by allowing that to happen. And I'm going to reimburse them with your uh, with your homes. All of these opinions say that you could collect a servant as as a, a lien on a loan. Mar keman who do you hold like? Omar lei surav Nachman says, listen, you're right. I don't agree with any of this, but I know mastisa yadana. Even though all these are arguing on me, I do have a brisa backing me up. A prosbul is valid on land, okay, that has a uh, collateral on it. But it doesn't work for owed servants. Movable property could be acquired along with land. Land is, um, uh, land is something that's sold. If you have movable property, you could sell a, a 10 acres of land and all the tractors and homes that are upon it. You cannot acquire karka with avodim, which means if you sell servants, you can't tack on a tractor to be sold along with uh, with the servants. You see from this brisa that we consider a servant to be movable, not not to be karka, not to be something that has a lien, and that's why Rav Nachman says that uh, you you that that since it's movable property, you cannot collect it from the assignment. Okay, so he says very nice. You got Rava. Uh, I'm sorry. He says you have Ula. You have Rabbi Lazar, you have Dani Dinarda, you have Rabbi Barbizna, but I've got this uh, all saying that, uh, uh, all stating that a servant is going to be karka, it's going to be like real estate, but I have this Brisa backing me up, clearly stating that it's not real estate, and I'm following the opinion of this Brisa. And Bezrem, tomorrow, you'll pick up from Leva Kitanai and get into what is the status taka of a servant. How do we view a servant? Do we view it as land? 
or do we view it as metaltolin, as movable property? We'll hold it here for this evening. Tomorrow, we will pick up from Leva Kitanoi. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening, everybody.